Hey, Jason, are you okay? I noticed that you seem bothered by something today. Yeah, I'm just feeling kind of down after my last meeting with Dr. Pearson. He's angry at me about the fungus infection that my cells contracted. I don't feel very good. I'm just, I'm afraid that I won't ever be able to move on from this. You know how it is? Oh, I know. Dr. Pearson never lets us live down our mistakes. Just gives me so much anxiety. I feel like I'm a bad scientist. I can't stop thinking about the next time that I make a mistake. I feel that way too sometimes. Dr. Pearson keeps bringing up that time I broke a beaker in front of my committee members and I feel so undermined. I have no idea how I'm going to defend my dissertation knowing that all my committee members probably already think I'm a failure. Jason and Dominica's story is similar to many graduate students' experiences. They begin to doubt their abilities and they blame themselves for not having the stamina their supervisor is expecting. Are they cut out to be a researcher? Or has their supervisor created an unreasonable work environment? Graduate students find themselves in all sorts of situations that bolster or diminish a sense of safety and security in their graduate program. Consider this one. Jason is working under Dr. Pearson on his PhD in biology. Dr. Pearson provides constructive criticism and is attentive when Jason needs help. But all the students in the lab know that Dr. Pearson has a temper. He often gets angry when people make mistakes in the lab and raises his voice when he discovers the mistake. He frequently reminds his students how expensive lab materials are and that by making mistakes, students are wasting thousands of dollars. For example, one day, Jason found out that some of his cells had a fungal infection. Dr. Pearson angrily told him, By not using proper technique, you contaminated your cells, and now they have a fungus infection. We have to clean out the entire incubator, including the cells of the other people. I don't know how you can sleep at night knowing you ruined everyone else's work. Humiliated, Jason apologized to the other people using the incubator, who told him that those cells weren't important and there was no cause for alarm. But Dr. Pearson keeps bringing up the contaminated incubator and other mistakes Jason has made in the past. He reminds Jason and other students about mistakes they've made in the past during lab meetings and in front of other students or professors. It makes Jason uncomfortable and embarrassed when Dr. Pearson brings up his past mistakes, and Jason lives in fear of making other mistakes. He is worried about how Dr. Pearson's comments will hurt his reputation in the lab and the department. Jason has lost confidence in his own research and is not comfortable bringing up his ideas to Dr. Pearson. There's an unspoken code of toleration among Dr. Pearson's graduate students to put up with his harsh criticisms, occasional displays of anger, and the way he brings up past disappointments in his students. How could this situation be better? Let's talk with someone who has a firm philosophy and practice on graduate student supervision. I am here with Rolf Weinbrook, a biology professor who has supervised many students to successful completion of their master's and PhD degrees, as well as won an award for exemplary graduate student supervision. Hi, Rolf. Hi, Naomi. Rolf, I'm wondering if you can comment on the scenario about Jason and Dr. Pearson. Well, when I had read over it, I immediately thought that this is one of those cases where it sounds like, in general, the, the lab is conducting itself in the very kind of like constructive criticism sort of fashion that's typical of, of most science-based professions. But those occasional outbursts that he had that were very negative and targeted at that 
particular individual and also other individuals in the lab, I found was very counterproductive to the atmosphere of the lab, even though they're brief those kind of like fleeting negative outbursts can have very long-lasting negative consequences such that it can really hamper both the productivity of that lab and also the how the individuals are feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are some of your practices for good graduate student supervision, especially in your lab-based discipline? So what we try to do in my lab is we try to kind of always help fostering uh, a team-based sort of communal atmosphere where instead of each student being kind of, you know, brought through the program and, and saying, you know, you're competing with others for scholarships and awards and for your future professional, you know, prospects, I try to really kind of emphasize more so that the individuals of a lab are all kind of integrated in such a way that even though their projects might feel separated, they're all linked in some common source mm. such that they foster a, a better kind of atmosphere of collaboration and, and cooperation with one another. And I would say, you know, like, you might sometimes feel like this is kind of like taking away for a little while from your own individual project, but that'll come back to you in terms of assistance then when you need it. And also in the long run, the productivity of most individuals in science is based on their degree of ability to collaborate with one another rather than to compete as an individual. Mm-hmm. So there's really positive spin backs to that sort of team communal approach. What else do you do to try to create that community, it sounds like? Yeah, I so, I mean, labs vary, obviously, but what I try to do is to try to regularly, you know, communicate and be in personal contact with the whole group, both in a very kind of like sometimes informal setting um, and then also times in a much more formal setting, depending on what the context of what the issue is about. So what I typically try to do is pop into the lab on a regular basis, almost semi-daily, to like field any kind of questions they might have, any kind of concerns, and just to kind of like see how everyone's doing, like as people. If issues are raised by any of them or something comes to my mind, that is more substantive, that needs a little bit more detailed discussion, then I usually adopt more of a one-on-one approach. But we also kind of like do informal get-togethers, like with sharing meals, going to conferences, making sure that we all meet as a group. Um, when they're out in their field projects, because our lab is very field-oriented in our research, trying to go out with them as many times as possible mm-hmm. to kind of like share in their experience. And sometimes we do really good troubleshooting and conversations that we may not otherwise have if we were only just meeting back in the lab. Mm-hmm. I can imagine. Yeah. And how gratifying for a student to know his or her supervisor really knows about you know the way they collected the data and the context. And yeah. It must be yeah. very gratifying for them to have you there. So on the flip side of fostering that communal sort of atmosphere where all the graduate students are you know encouraged to work as a team it, I don't want to lose the, the individuality of each one of those people. So what I also try to do is um, try to learn from them what is it that really kind of motivates and inspires them to have chosen this field of research that our lab does. And by getting that sort of information, I can kind of help tailor the research project to what their interests are because that's only going to simply help with the motivation that they're going to need to see this project all the way through. If I don't take that step, what I, I often kind of like would expect would happen, and I've seen it also happen elsewhere, 
is that the student is like bring, brought into a very kind of locked, defined project where they don't really have any kind of like intellectual flexibility or freedom. And they're essentially being relegated to being a, a low-salaried technician without mm-hmm. any real kind of ability to grow as a scientist. And I think that that is also a problem that a lot of graduate students face. It's like if they start realizing that they've just kind of been locked into a, a clog in a, in, a, in a machine and they don't have any kind of individuality to pursue their interests or something, then there is, again, there's that failure to see it all the way through because that motivation that was there initially might really fade. Mm-hmm. What do you do when a student is struggling or falling behind? Yeah, so so that is like what I was just mentioning is probably uh, a situation that calls more for a one-on-one sort of uh, meeting as opposed to airing it out in a group where I don't really like to, you know, like bring up either potentially personal or, you know, somewhat negative issues with an individual. So on those situations, um, I usually meet with the student one-on-one, ask them first, how do they feel about their progress or how do they feel about how things are going? If they voice some sort of negative feelings, then we try to figure out what that exactly is. Is it a, is it a case where it's a problem with their working environment in some way, either physically or interactions with other individuals? Or is it something else, like they have problems like, like writer's block that often they don't want to talk about? or they don't know how to do some analyses, but and they don't know who to turn to. Um, so we, we try to work on those more, like I said, on a detailed one-on-one basis to try to kind of move forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you were to give some advice to other supervisors of lab-based di- disciplines, what might be some key advice yeah. you would give them, especially, let's say, assistant professors who have you know very little experience? Right. So it's a stressful environment for the supervisor. And the th- I think the one thing you have to kind of learn is to not kind of channel that stress, which is typically a, a negative sort of factor that can cause anxiety and depression amongst other people if you transfer it. They have to kind of like learn that it, it's their responsibility as a supervisor in a position of authority and power to help maintain a positive overall tone to their research group with all their students. And in that way, not dwelling on past errors, but like when there are problems in the lab, being constructive and saying, okay, let's let's figure out what went wrong and how can we actually move forward such that it may reduce the likelihood of it happening again. Doesn't mean it's going to work the first round, but at least being mm-hmm. always positive and not dwelling over past shortcomings. So you're not necessarily, it sounds like, trying to reproduce yourself you're trying to produce and work with people that are becoming right because they may not all necessarily be you know a career path like what the supervisor has chosen right mm-hmm. you have to be very flexible in realizing they're not all going to become academics necessarily and you really have to through this is where kind of like informal discussions and conversations kind of like you find out a lot about a student you didn't know about before in terms of like their their long-term sort of goals and where they see themselves you know um, again those things kind of come out in casual conversations quite often but are very informative yeah it sounds like you make lots of opportunity to have those casual conversations whether it's in the lab in one-on-ones out for dinner at a conference in the field Mm -hmm. and then that student knows 
that you actually have their broader goals in mind yeah. as they move towards completion. Yeah. What do you do when students complete? Do you have any sort of uh, practice around that? Um, it varies greatly. Again, like students are all individuals, so I, I don't have a standard practice because, I mean, I've had students in the past that were much more introverted and quiet, and so like I would often take them and say maybe their significant other or somebody out for dinner after the defense. Other people are, you know, much more kind of like social and we have kind of like a little bit kind of like a little small celebration as a group. Uh, it really varies a lot. And I think that's an important point too. It's not, there isn't a formulaic way of supervision in my opinion. You might have a certain sort of like set of guidelines, but you've got to be flexible because mm -hmm. students are all independent, individual, and different in ways. Right. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks, Naomi. <laughs>